There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town and branch microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. everyone and welcome to police off the cuff real crime stories i'm your host bill cannon retired 27 year veteran of the nypd as a sergeant today we're still going to be covering the casey white and the vicky white case that's the case of the escaped six foot nine inch 260 to 340 pound inmate whichever uh you want to believe how big this guy is and vicky white the 25 year veteran actually supervisor of the lauderdale county uh, jail in Alabama. This case has sort of captured the imagination of everyone. And we learned, today's the eighth day. We learned a lot of different things yesterday, and it seems there's been some um, sort of glaring mis uh, miscues by law enforcement on this. And the one of the most glaring miscues was the fact that the red Ford Escape that was... Uh, recovered the same day that they escaped on the 29th, on the, fr on the Friday the 29th, at 2.37 p.m., was towed by a tow company and never reported to the police, or at least the police never put it out there to the other police agencies, that they had recovered the car, which would have helped immensely in the search for these two. So we, we also learned a lot about Vicky. Uh, she had taken $90,000 in cash out of a bank account. Uh, we we know that she had um, sold her home for half the price, apparently, that it was worth. Um, so a lot of glaring things and things that show that, of course, premeditation and that this had been planned for a while. Let's play a little bit of this here. Story there of a hardened con facing life in prison or potentially even death, somehow enticing a career corrections officer to throw it all away for a life on the lamb with him. Folks, one of the things that you notice in this uh, little picture here of showing him walking out of the jail is that both ends of the sally port are unlocked. That is a violation of all kinds of correctional police procedure. You would never do that when transporting a prisoner. And even if Casey White isn't around to tell his tale, it's possible that the newly released pictures of his tattoos, it's possible those pictures tell us everything. Joining us now, Larry Levine, who served 10 years in 11 different institutions for offenses ranging from drugs and racketeering to securities fraud. He now runs his own firm called Wall Street Prison Consultants, and he knows a lot about the inside. I'm also pleased to welcome Nikki Simpson. She's previously the host of Ink Master Angels and is currently the owner of Everblack Tattoo Studio in Brooklyn, New York. Welcome to both of you. Nikki, I'm going to start with you. You've had a chance to take a look over Casey White's tattoos. What does, the, um, what does it say to you? What do you see in those tattoos? Right. So um, upon looking at everything, um, I do see some common imagery that I see in a lot of prison tattoos that don't necessarily speak racism as, as, you know, for example, the skulls and the flames. A lot of people get that kind of stuff. But looking closer, I can see on his inner bicep, it looks like he has a double lightning bolt um, SS kind of looking uh, tattoo, which is 
very much associated with white supremacy. And on the on his right side of this chest, it looks like he has a coat of arms with a swastika and um, another set of lightning bolts, which you know is obviously you know racist associated. And on the back, um, that he, he it looks like he has a Confederate flag with. I think it says Southern Pride or something like that. The the thing about that is it's it's hard to tell, you know, if that's, you know, if that was got if that was done in prison or if he got that beforehand or anything or if it was racially motivated, but I think one could safely assume that with the combination of the Confederate flag, the the swastikas, the lightning bolts, um Casey was definitely um, associated with white supremacy groups. Yeah, I mean, it looked like that to me, and I don't know, you know, very much about, uh, you know, tattoo art um, at all. But just, just a, an average guy might might be able to notice that. Larry, in in prison, uh, tattoos are a big deal. They're they're a huge deal, and there's kind of a map. And I've seen the spider webs on the uh, elbow, etc. But walk me through what some mm-hmm. of those tattoos mean affiliations with different gangs, things that they've done. In other words, if you see somebody with three dots, let's say on their eye or on their hand, my crazy life. If they have five dots, it means they've they've served time. The swastika is, yeah, they do indicate white supremacy. I looked at all the images. I don't see that he's like Aryan Brotherhood or anything because he doesn't have an AB on him. And what we need to realize is that the inmates They'll take chess pieces and they'll melt the chess pieces down in baby oil. They'll take a guitar string and they'll use that to give tattoo, to make tattoos. So I would estimate that the, uh, the, the stars and bars, the Confederate flag on his neck or back was, was done on the outside, but the rest of the tats were probably done on the inside. And it's all contraband. It's against rules and policy to get tattoos, but everybody seems to do it. Right, Larry, I know, I know about the melting uh, down. That's usually the black ink. You can't get color ink necessarily in uh, prison, can you, Larry? Well, they could get like a red, they could get like a Sharpie marker. They could get a red pen and take the ink from that. They use baby oil, they boil it. And yeah, I mean, they could. But that, I don't think that generally works out real well. I, the tattoo artist, she would know more about that than I would. Nikki, jump in there and tell me about the, how they craft these different, um, you know, looks in prison. I've always seen mostly dark ink. Yeah, so that's that's something Just else piece. that I was... <laughs> thanks. Go that's ahead. something else that I was, uh, you know, looking at and thinking about because, um, you know, at my studio, we also do... Um, laser tattoo removal on uh, any gang-related or or racist type of tattoos. And I would say about 99% of them are just with black ink. Um, And that's, you know, mostly because, you know, when you're you're inside, you have very limited means to creating, you know, ink that is going to be, uh, you know, of any quality. So I, I don't assume that this... That, that Casey got tattooed at a normal shop because, you know, as a tattooer, no. 
we would we would never um, accept something like that to come through our doors. So I can assume that he maybe got it outside of prison. He could have had it snuck in. I'm not sure. But a lot of times you see people taking um, uh, paper and, and burning it with, with soot and kind of mixing it with some kind of medium like, I don't know, Vaseline or any other kind of oil or something like that. Um, so you can you can definitely tell that most of his tattoos, given how broken up everything is and scratchy and, and how it looks so aged, that's a, a common sign of something that was definitely done in prison. They're they're pretty pretty crude. They're guys, I have obviously. to leave it there, but I could talk about this. Uh, I could talk about this all night. And since I have the feeling these guys might be on the run for a while, I'd love to have you. So, folks, there it is. I mean, it, with the tattoos, does that really help us uh, capture this guy? I don't think so. I think that, uh, you know, it may show his affiliation. It may show just he's a dangerous guy. He's a white supremacist. He's obviously said the tattoos are aged. He's been in prison, probably in and out of prison his whole life. Uh, of course, we all know in law enforcement that usually a sign of uh, crude black ink tattoos are a sign that the uh, the tattoos were done in prison by a unregistered tattoo artist. You talk about using a guitar string. Imagine using a guitar string with ink. Think of the potential uh, for getting infection from using uh, baby oil and melted chess pieces as the ink they're going to use with a guitar string to make a tattoo. I mean, just, you know, Craig, and of course, that, that prison um, expert on Ashley Banfield, sure, I uh, forgot his name. He, um, he stated that, um, you know, you can tell uh, different types of tattoos and what they meant and this, that, and the other thing. But how is that going to help us capture this guy? And that's what should be the main goal right now is to capture this guy because there's been a lot of, misinformation there's been a lot of uh information out there that we cannot we can't verify there's a lot of it's amazing how even on youtube there's so many rumors there's so many rumors and i want to play a little bit um i i think that the uh the sheriff rick singleton he's sort of an interesting character uh, an interesting you know southern southern guy old-time sheriff probably very good friends with vicky white and he doesn't really want to speak out against her. You can see he really cares a lot about her. But he doesn't give me a lot of confidence uh, in what occurred here. He doesn't give me a lot of confidence in the fact that they know what the hell happened here, that they were monitoring this situation. I'm going to play a little bit of his press conference. And we'll actually have the district attorney come on from uh, Lauderdale County. And let's see what uh, they have to say here. As I said, we're working on trying to see if there are any uh, stolen vehicles in that area. Uh, I'm hoping that we will we'll get a break in that. Uh, but we're no longer looking for the Ford Edge. Uh, I also have with me uh, our district attorney, Chris Conley, and he has an update for you on the uh, reward information. Thank you, Sheriff. Um, after talking with the sheriff, I contacted the governor's office this morning and submitted a written request for her to give us the maximum reward possible under state law, which that's $5,000 per person. I submitted a written request and within one hour of getting that request, she just provided me with a proclamation approving that maximum request for the award. And she states that the circumstances 
surrounding this event indicate that every effort should be made to apprehend and arrest Vicki White and Casey White. So we thank the governor's office for their prompt response and are certainly hopeful that this may encourage or incentivize someone to, to come forward. So thank you. Thank you. Is that extended total? That, uh, that makes the total reward for Casey White $15,000, the total reward for Vicki White $10,000. So a total of $25,000 in reward money now. Okay, with that, I'll take a few questions. Senator, are you upset at all about the fact that it took maybe a couple of days for this other department to tell you guys that the car was sitting there in an hour? Well, I mean, not really. I, obviously, we'd, we'd like to know on it Friday. They, they found the car before we knew they were gone. So, you know, I mean, it's just, it, there's no fault or blame on anyone. You know, the tow driver told it Friday afternoon. I'm, I'm sure that he probably sees some of the coverage that you guys have provided us. Uh, saw the description of the car and then probably a light went off and said, hey, you know, I think I remember towing that car and went out in the lot and found it. So. I guess I'm concerned, is it like you guys sent out a, a bulletin? So every agency should be getting a bulletin that you guys were looking for this car. So I guess I'm trying to figure out where was the ball dropped in terms of looking at the paperwork, where it was missing and that they had. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure I followed that question, but are you saying the deputy that got responded to the call? No, I'm just basically saying you guys put out a bulletin to the entire country that yeah. was looking for this car. Yes. And so I guess what I'm saying is at what point did they look at the bulletin to notice that they had the same car that you were well, the car was towed on Friday. That bulletin went out, if I'm not mistaken, Tuesday morning. So, you know, there again, that's about a four-day delay. And uh, I'm sure at some point in time, uh, a light went off in, in this guy's head, and he thought, wait a minute, you know. I mean, they tow a lot of cars, you know. Sheriff, was there anything found in the car? What sort of state was the car in? And has there been any credible sightings in that area of no credible sightings I'm aware of. The car was, uh, there was nothing in the car. Uh, uh, the car was not inventoried by the record company and the comment is it didn't appear to be anything in it. It had been, uh, there had been an attempt to spray paint it. Um, and I have some photos if you want to see it. It's, it's, a, it's a botched up job, but uh, they did attempt to try to paint it a little bit. What makes you think the car actually broke down because of where it was found, a rural road, county road, where there's, you know, there may not a lot of traffic, but somebody obviously would see it sitting on the side of the road uh, and call it in, which is what happened. Uh, if I think if, if. You know, folks, one of the things that, and uh, as someone said in the chat, this sheriff seems like a really good man. He's sort of trying to uh, not point blame at someone but you know when a tow truck driver tows a vehicle one of the first things he should check is if there's an alarm on the car and of course there there should have been or, or there was an alarm on this car for the fact that the car was wanted in the commission of a escape from a from a prison so i think that's pretty damn important and um that, you know, it's sort of being covered up. Yeah, and, and four days went by before uh, this was ever reported. I mean, it's just four days. Uh, so they had plenty of time. Let me show you a little bit of this. We'll get the picture of the car up on the screen. Uh, Life is over. 
As for him, his life has been over only a matter of time. I, I'm going to leave that to the psychologists out there. And there are some brilliant um, psychologists that do exist on YouTube, especially that can give us, um, you know, uh, can psychoanalyze the case from this to, to answer this question. What leads to somebody to fall in love with somebody who is locked up behind bars, uh, suspected of a very, very serious crime that could lead to the death penalty? What leads what is triggered in someone's brain to fall in love with somebody like that, to uh, have a romance with somebody like that? I'll, I'll leave that to the experts. Um, but this is a question a lot of people are asking. You're, what do you see in this guy here on the right side of your screen? What's, where's, what's the appeal? There's uh, some of his tattoos. Let's show you guys this as well. I want to do a deep dive into this video. This is the video now of uh, from a week ago. One week ago today, April 29, 2022. Here is Vicky White. Radios into somebody. Comes in. Looks pretty nonchalant, right? Looks pretty nonchalant to me. Very casual. Opens up the door. And then this is, we're playing this back in real time. So we don't know what's going on here behind the door, but this is now, again, she is picking up an inmate for this supposed um, mental health evaluation at the county courthouse down the road. So she goes into this area where, again, it's part of an, I guess, an inmate transfer where she's now taking custody of him, opens up the door, holds it open, very polite. Folks, you really have to note in this video that she puts her back to this guy who's six foot nine, 260 pounds, uh, nonchalant. Look at both sides of the Sally port. They're open. I, as I said before, that is a tremendous no-no. Both sides should have the gate down, and then one of the gates should be um, either electronically or manually pulled up by a, a, a second uh, correctional officer. She just nonchalantly pulls out, as you can see on the screen. So clearly, this was uh, planned, well-planned, and she has was very confident in what she was doing. Again, they're playing it again. She just radios the door that, that was locked to the sally port is probably buzzed open. She gets this huge inmate, uh, six foot nine, has her back as she's walking through the door. She holds the door open for him. He's handcuffed in the front, and he's got the... Uh, the chains on his feet, right? And then she lets him into the rear passenger uh, compartment, just shuts the door as if it's uh, everyday business as usual. And she very casually strolls over, opens up the, the patrol vehicle now. Now you remember now she takes the patrol vehicle down the street. That patrol vehicle is eventually found. And the Ford Edge is has been photographed in the hotel parking lot where she was staying. So there's that connection as well. So they transfer vehicles, they go to middle Tennessee and that's where we last have any details about their whereabouts. But I find this video very interesting because it doesn't, there's nothing here that looks out of the ordinary, but of course there's nothing here that looks out of the ordinary, right? Well, that's where JB is wrong. There's a lot that looks out of the ordinary and what looks out of the ordinary is her nonchalance, is the fact that uh, both sides of the sally port are open, the gates are not closed. What's also wrong is that she 
turns her back on a a lifer, a lifer inmate, and nonchalantly brings him in the car. So I would have to uh, disagree with JB here that uh, it's it's not anything that he's saying. Oh, it's there's nothing out of the there's lots out of the ordinary to the trained law enforcement officer. There's a hell of a lot out of the ordinary. One of the things we also learned yesterday. Uh, this is how Vicky could look now. And a lot of what we're hearing in social media, on YouTube, on uh, all these TV stations, is really just conjecture. Because the less time uh, they have any um, verifiable um, area where these two were, was where they found the Ford Edge. I have some questions about that too, the Ford Edge. Why would you buy so much of this escape was well-planned and was planned months and months ahead of time. Why would you buy a car that was 15 years old that even had the outside possibility to break down? That's why I question that. Did the car break down or did they dump the car there and had another car at that location that they transferred into or did they potentially meet uh, some people that were assisting them in their escape? That's what I'm questioning. Uh, uh, John Donahue, shouldn't they had have two officers for a transfer? John Donahue, exactly. There's no way one person should be transferring one uh, an inmate, especially an inmate of that size. Uh, no doubt she violated procedure. And maybe because she was a boss, she was a supervisor, that whoever allowed her to do that was intimidated by her rank, her position. Uh, that could very well be that, but you're, you're 100% correct. Um, so the more we learn about this, uh, the more fugazi, that's a, that's a New York word, fugazi, it seems. And it really is. It's, it's not, there's nothing really in the ordinary. Saw to it specifically that it was just going to be the two of them. These are, these are questions that we don't have answers to. But there's a lot of folks that are pointing out that it's out of procedure for somebody to be transferring an inmate of with this kind of record one-on-one it's a lot of trust to put in one person even if you have to believe and I, I always i'm not great with titles apologies i think she is the assistant director of corrections that's a pretty high ranking position within the jail she's not just Robin Owens uh, from the chat. Well, if you're going to dump a car, you're not going to buy an expensive, an inexpensive car. So they probably got the cheapest car they could, uh, knowing they were going to get rid of it just to save money. Robin, I totally agree with you, but you also want to make sure that that car that you buy isn't going to break down on you. That's why I think perhaps they may have just dumped that car there. But very good assessment, Robin. I agree with you 100%. You're any, any corrections officer. She's the assistant director of corrections high-level person within the jail. So does she use that level of influence to ensure this is one-on-one? Can't say. But she is able to, I don't know, if this had been, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, had this been a single, regular, standard-level jail guard or corrections officer, would this have been allowed to happen? Or was Folks, one of the things I, I spoke to everyone about yesterday is he is a state prison inmate. It means he belongs in a state prison, and that's where you're uh, incarcerated 
when you're going to you're eligible to do over a year you're convicted of a felony he of course somehow manipulated himself to get put in a jail a jail is a, a housing facility where you are put if you're doing less than a year however they use jails to house uh, state prison inmates who are awaiting court appearances or trials or some kind of other activity that they need to be in the jail for. But he did not belong in a jail. This guy belonged in state prison. Was it allowed to happen because of her rank? Every time we watch this, it's unbelievable. Uh, her on the screen nonchalantly. Michael Henderson. Hi, hi there, Michael. Uh, on YouTube, hashtag HJB. Did she know of his ex-wife's suicide murder slash murder? If not, and she learns of it, I would think he would do away with her rather than deal with the extra risk. There is there is zero chance, given, in my opinion, if you're asking for my opinion, there is zero chance she doesn't know about the details of his past. And what Michael is referencing is now an a reopened investigation into Casey White's ex, who... Folks, we learned so much about this. Uh, yesterday, Phil and I uh, took a little dive into what is her psychology? What allowed her to basically dump her whole life for this guy? What did he tell her? How was he able to manipulate her? She wasn't just a regular rank-and-file correction officer. She was a boss. She was the second in charge of this jail. She filed for retirement after, you know, there's conflicting uh, amounts of years of service. Some said 16 to 17. I saw somewhere that she was hired in, in 1997, which would make it 25 years that she's been uh, working for the Lauderdale County Jail Facility. So she threw her whole life away. What would make her sell her house for half the value and in cash so that she could help this guy escape? Does she think they're going to have a happy life together and they're going to live happily ever after? Uh, I think not. You know, And, and these are some of the questions that um, I think law enforcement has to ask. And and helping, you know, the, the bottom line is, how do we apprehend these two now? Where do we start? Where do we start looking for them? And I'm going to go into that in, in a second, uh, because I think that's very important. But folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us on our Patreon, we have three different levels. You can help us out here. And we also have a YouTube, a YouTube channel memberships. And we have five different levels of that. You see the folks that are in the, uh, have the green font in the chat. They're part of our YouTube family. Uh, Rachella Pranzo, a great supporter of the show. I agree about more people involved inside and outside the prison. Impossible. No one knew what was transpiring. I think, Rachella, I think you're correct. Anthony uh, Ziemba. Who should say this Casey guy, he has nothing to lose. They bring them out to do an assassination on somebody. Who's to say this out of the picture? This was done so recklessly. Vicky looks bad. Anthony, there are a million possibilities with this situation. All of them are possible. My question and my um, what I care about most now is capturing these two. And we have to be somewhat sympathetic 
to Vicky because in some way she was manipulated. Her mind was manipulated. She was probably not in a good state. Um, she had recently lost her husband, even though she was divorced. I think she was really only married for four years. And she actually sold her house to uh, our ex-husband's mother, but for half the price. And then they they let us know that they have $90,000 in cash on them. So, of course, they intend to... The experts, the experts, uh, fugitive enforcement, and people that make a living hunting for fugitives, they all are in agreement that there's no way on this earth that these two can go move about. They would be recognized instantaneously. Someone would drop a dime and the feds will be all over them. So where are they? That's the question. Where are they hiding out now? And a lot of you guys have your own ideas as to where, and your guess is as good um, as good as anyone else's. Here we go. Um, SCCC, you have to have something off in your head to start with. Yeah, I mean, I just think women also that, women, men also that date prison inmates, there's something not right there. Like, how could you think that that's okay, that that's something you aspire to, that that's something you're going to have a life with? You're going to have a great life with someone that's serving time. Uh, Ruby, Ruby Rue, thank you for covering this. Thank you, Ruby Rue, for thanking me. I uh, appreciate that. Um, Arafil Islam, hello, Bill. How are you? Always good to see all you folks in the chat. Um, Mike Whitcomb, she will live the rest of her life overlooking her shoulder if she survives. Mike, that's a very good point because the question of whether she survives is actually very important because she's with a uh, a guy who could turn on her in a second, you know. And I don't think people understand the mentality of a criminal. A, a criminal is just like a shark or a lion that just patrols around looking for food. And all they care about is getting their own needs met. They have no feelings because they're missing, if you ever studied psychology, they're missing their ego, which is their conscience. They have no conscience. So if it if she becomes expedient, if he doesn't need her any longer, he will gladly get rid of her in a minute. And that's the scary thing about this. And I don't know if she knows that. She should know that. She's a career correction officer. Uh, Kurt McBride, they are laying low somewhere. Kurt McBride, 100%. We all agree to that. And they could lay low for a while. They have $90,000, but they still have to. Could they have set up some cabin in the woods somewhere, fully stocked with food and whatever else they need? Um, and But how did they get around? Was there another car? Was there another car in Tennessee where they purposely pretended that red uh, Ford Edge broke down and they just had another call. Oh, the horrible thing that could have happened. Did they carjack someone and kill someone and take someone's car? That's one of the things that could happen. That's one of the things fugitive enforcement is on this case about. Uh, uh, Peg Bell, I think it would be really hard to get that much cash in hand even if the people did buy the house for cheap outright. I question if a bank would have that much cash on hand. Well, she could have taken it out in dribs and drabs. She didn't have to take out $90,000 at once. That's true. I think most banks would question you if you took out $90,000. Uh, but she could have taken it out in dri uh, dribs and drabs. Um, 
This isn't a JFK conspiracy. Yeah, that's that's for sure. But there's a lot to this case. Um, Chris Hoyle, my daughter, was a correctional officer in our county jail. And the male inmates are constantly hitting on the female officers every day, all day. Chris Hoyle, no doubt, being a correction officer for both a male and a female, horrendously difficult job. Probably a more difficult job for females that have to work in a male prison. I can't even imagine the abuse that they're, uh, that's weighed upon them. I just can't even imagine it. And uh, I would think that you would take the job home with you. And it, it's, it's a nasty, I think it's a nasty job. And I don't know how people do it. Um, is Wild Dog, is Casey White related to her ex-husband, Tom? No, there's no relation whatsoever, Wild Dog. Uh, that was indicated, that was made clear by um, the sheriff. It was made clear by multiple media sources. There was no relationship whatsoever. Also, um, Vicky White's husband died of complications from um, from Parkinson's. So there was no violent end to his uh, his life. So a lot of people were throwing that into the mix also. Um, Z, I feel bad for her. She needs to give herself up. Uh, 100%, you guys are right on top of it. Infamous truth teller, what about handcuffs in the front because he could have easily put those around her neck when she was dressed? Well, infamous truth teller, one of the reasons he was handcuffed in the front is because they had his legs shackled. And if you noticed, the front cuffed hands are connected to the shackle. So you don't have as much movement as it might appear that you have. But if you're going to shackle someone by the legs, the there's a there's a chain that connects the leg shackle to the handcuffs going around the hand. So that'll definitely limit his movement. Uh, she also may have been the one that put the handcuffs and the leg shackles on, and maybe she purposely put them on uh, very loosely. And that's a, that's a possibility right there. So uh, I'm going to play a little bit of more of this. Um, there's so many different news reports on this with all kinds of different ideas, different talking heads. And let me just play a little of this and we'll talk about it. Morning, everyone tonight, nationwide, be on the lookout. Good evening to you. I'm Marnie Hughes. <laughs> this is a special edition of News Nation Prime for you tonight. One hour focused on this case and this manhunt with new information and exclusive interviews that you have never seen before now. Vicki White, a former Alabama corrections officer who isn't who people thought she was. And Casey White, a murder suspect who is much more evil than anyone could have imagined. This is an unlikely pair caught up in a web of lies and deceit. She had everyone fooled. He has nothing to lose. It has been seven days since she broke him out of jail in Alabama, and they could be anywhere. And within the last few hours, that getaway car we've all been looking for has been found. It's that copper-colored SUV Vicky purchased using an alias. It was discovered nearly four hours north of Florence, Alabama. Abandoned and towed, and no sign of these fugitives. My gut, gut is telling me that uh, they're on the, they're obviously on the run, and um, you know that they're probably right now. You know, I, I think the fact that that they abandoned this car so quick and where they abandoned it, I think it threw them a curve. I don't think they planned for that. 
They could be anywhere right now, and until they are caught, no one is safe. I want to bring in senior national correspondent Brian Enton. He is joining us live tonight from Florence, Alabama. Brian, now that the getaway car has been found, police are starting back at square one, essentially. The sheriff seems to think that dumping that car was not part of their plan. Yeah, Marnie, the sheriff believes that that car actually broke down. It was found in a rural part of Tennessee, but the sheriff says it was not. You know, folks, the, the, the matter whether the car broke down or not, he can't predict that. The only way they can predict that they can have a key made, see if it starts, see if it runs. If it runs, they could just show that was a ruse, that it in fact did not break down, that they just pretended it broke down to dump it there, and maybe they had another car or people waiting. He can't just make that assumption problem with it. What's interesting is they did appear to uh, try to spray paint the car to change the color of it. But what's so frustrating right now for law enforcement, Marnie, uh, is that car was actually discovered a week ago in Tennessee. Someone spotted it, thought it was odd that it was abandoned. It was towed to a tow yard, but it was not until today uh, that the law enforcement officials in Tennessee contacted the sheriff's office here uh, in Alabama and said, wait a minute, we think this is their car. Uh, so it basically gave uh, Vicky and Casey, one week uh, to run, and no one even knew they weren't in the car anymore. Yeah. Brian, you've been on the ground there for about 24 hours, digging, talking to people who knew both Vicky and also Casey. And I mean, this tangled web that they created and have everybody duped for the last couple of years has gotten more and more bizarre. Um, the more hours that pass by and the more time they're out there, the bigger the risk is. Um, so you've been following the breadcrumbs. And as I said to you uh, last night, there are a lot. There are a lot. This is definitely a community and a region on edge right now. Everyone uh, knew this couple. People especially knew Vicki White because she was from this town. She worked at the jail for almost two decades, and people are still trying to mentally process how all of this could have happened. Almost no one could have suspected that Vicki White, the longtime assistant director of corrections in Lauderdale County, Alabama, had such a secret dark side. What is Vicki like? Solid was my word for. Um, so when this happened, it was such a shock. But she was not a big talker, is not a big talker, but got things done. Lauderdale County District Attorney Chris Connolly has worked with Vicki for 16 years. Yeah, you know, it's like the stages of grief. You say this unbelievable, this didn't happen. And then, um, you know, you get to the point where I am now, which is which I'm mad that she did this. Inmates inside the jail are also shocked. This woman just bonded out. Did you ever get a weird vibe from her when you were in jail? No, not at all. Like she, uh, no, I, I never did. I never thought that she would, uh, you know, break any kind of rules like that. Um, you know, she, she was the person you could go to if you uh, were having problems with any kind of COs or anything like that. Having been in jail, are you surprised that she was able to get him out like that? No. Mm -mm. Why not? Because uh, it's chaos here. Detectives are piecing together the days before Vicki vanished with inmate Casey White. There have been reports Vicki was seen inside this department store buying men's clothing. Workers inside told me they could not comment. And others report seeing Vicki at this adult store before she took off. 
A woman working inside told me her lawyer advised her not to talk about whether or not Vicky was a customer. The sheriff confirms Vicky and Casey were having a romantic relationship. Vicky lived in this house 18 miles from the Lauderdale County Jail, but sold the house days before she disappeared with Casey for $90,000, well under market value. Is that all money that she would have? Like, is it cash? Is it? My understanding is that, yes, that she she got that money out of the bank. I mean, you know. In cash. And, you know, and I saw where her mother said she was also a frugal person, so she likely had pretty sporty amount of money on top of that. Vicki was divorced, but still lived with her ex until he passed away in January from Parkinson's. They had no kids, and the sheriff wonders if she was grief-stricken. You know, they've been divorced for several years, but I think they were still on speaking terms. Uh, and and I don't, I've wondered if that might have had something to do with, with this or, or not. Vicki's mom, Pat, lives right next door to the house Vicki lived in. She did not want to go on camera, but told me this is not the daughter she knew and that all of this has come as a total shock. But there are some people who knew Vicky who are not as surprised. Right now we're going to meet up with one man uh, who worked with Vicky at the jail. Nobody is surprised. Nobody from there that had worked that has worked with her in the past is surprised. Vicky was Tyson Johnson's boss for seven years at the jail before he says he was wrongfully terminated. He says she is smart and calculated and has a dark side. Where do you think she is right now? That's a good question. She, uh, that is a very good question. Uh, honestly, I don't think she'll be fine. Like, she is calculated enough that she has thought this entire thing out. She definitely outsmarted the sheriff. She outsmarted the administrator of the jail. The U.S. Marshals released these photos showing Casey White's tattoos and also what Vicky might look like with brown hair. And also, Vicky used the tanning bed a lot and laid out in the sun. And uh, Vicky may have been 57 years old, but she looks 75. The <laughs> photos that they're releasing of her, there's a filter, they're all bright uh, on the face because it's not showing the true her. A lot of people, former employees that have called me, it's like if Vicky dyed her hair gray and put on some old lady clothes and glasses, you, she could walk right by you and you would never know it. How long will Vicky and Casey avoid capture? Their getaway car now found, but law enforcement admits the fugitives have been one step ahead of them and could be anywhere. I think that her knowledge of corrections and her knowledge of, of uh, the procedures that, that we use here in the sheriff's office on transport uh, most definitely played to her advantage. I think this was a very well thought out plan. Do you personally think they're far away? I do. I do. I mean, I can't see her as smart as she is holed up somewhere around here, but who knows? I, I, obviously, I didn't know her as well as I thought I did. And important to point out, if anyone sees Vicki or Casey White, the sheriff uh, is emphasizing to stay away. They believe the couple right now is armed and dangerous. They believe they have an AR-15 and a shotgun. Marnie? Yep, so people are looking for them, Brian. Their pictures are plastered everywhere. He's 6'9", so he's hard to miss. But you talked to some people today who said they're likely changing their disguise, so you may not be looking for what you think you're looking for.
Absolutely. The district attorney, uh, who is very much a part of this investigation, says they are working on one theory that it is possible uh, that they have a wheelchair with them and that Vicky is actually pushing Casey in a wheelchair and that he may have a wig on to disguise himself as a woman. Uh, she has him in the wheelchair, possibly, so that you can't tell how tall he is. Uh, they're not sure that that's what's happening. It's one thing they're looking into. Uh, they're also not sure where they are tonight. They say at this point they could be anywhere. And if you see them, do not approach them. Call 911. Brian, you'll be joining us later in the show with another update. We'll see you then. Thank you. Thanks for watching. So, folks, a lot of conjecture. I don't know where the district attorney gets the um, the wheelchair story from. Could it have been possible that they have a receipts from a credit card where she purchased the wheelchair prior to escaping here? Um, all of that is a possibility. Um, you know, that's one of the ways that law enforcement tracks people. And now, because there is no digital record, for example, her bringing credit cards with her, unless she has credit cards under different names and that they know what names she's using, they can't track her digitally. So that would have been one of the reasons why they would have, uh, she would have gotten a great deal of cash. Um, I think it makes sense that they're probably in the backwoods somewhere in Tennessee. I, I don't think they've gotten very far uh, from where the car was dumped. Potentially, um, as I said, they could have had another car at that location. They could have had other people involved in this uh, that are assisting them, assisting them get away. Uh, so that the, all of these things are possibilities. Um, FTLNATP. She probably has the wheelchair from her deceased husband who died from Parkinson's. Very, very possible. They could have just asked her ex-husband's mother who bought her house. Did she take the wheelchair with her? Maybe that's how they have that information. Don't forget, there's always a huge investigative component to this. And there's always um, law enforcement uh the uh, the marshals, the U.S. marshals, they have all kinds of information that we are not aware of. And that information is ultimately what's probably going to lead to his uh, capture. Um, you know, there's and there's also all kinds of false information. How many rumors do we hear from this? Uh, uh, Jane, uh, if, she pay, uh, if she pays via PayPal, that means she has a cell phone. That means her cell phone can be tracked, and that means her PayPal, because that's a digital evidence. I think she would totally avoid using a cell phone, other, unless it's a um, a burner phone. But then if you use a burner phone to send a legitimate payment over PayPal, that's still connected to a legitimate bank account, which would identify you, and then law enforcement would have a digital uh, way to, to, to track you. So I don't think they would use that. Uh, it's 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 been well thought out. Um, the wheelchair idea seems strange. I think he'd make a huge woman sitting or standing. Uh, Okie dokie. If I had to guess, they had someone move the car north and drop it, and they are headed due south. A boat out of Dodge or the border? Who knows? If she bought gift cards and paid cash, perhaps. You know, guys. Anything is possible. Absolutely anything is possible in this case. 
And for any idea to, for me to say or anyone to say, oh, that's not a possibility or that couldn't happen, anything is a possibility. Someone mentioned recently um, the two inmates, I think it was in 2017, that escaped from a prison, Clinton Correctional Facility up in Dannemora, New York, and they were both murderers. And a woman who worked at the prison who may have been romantically involved with one or both of them assisted in uh, helping them escape from the prison by getting them tools that they used to saw through um, steel and ultimately to go through the guts of the prison and to escape out of the prison through through the through the guts. So they had help. Uh, they were on the lam, I, I believe, for about three weeks. And one of them was shot dead by the state police. And the second one was shot twice, but however, survived. So they were two very dangerous guys also. Um, D.D. Robert, she's a middle-aged woman who probably isn't in great shape. He's been beefing up in the joint. He used to be, he's used to harsh conditions. She's not. He doesn't seem like a very um, disciplined individual to me. He's six foot nine, but he's 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 like a he's got all kinds of fat. He's fat. He's not prison shape. He's not a weightlifter. Uh, but that doesn't matter when you're six foot nine, two hundred sixty pounds. He's still a dangerous, dangerous guy. But he doesn't seem like he's a a disciplined guy. I think at one point uh, years ago, he had two forty caliber pistols and he was threatening uh, to kill himself when confronted by police and a police sheriff. Um, from from Alabama, talked him into surrendering. So he's got a history, probably, of also mental illness, drug abuse. Um, so he's he, he's a typical prison inmate. He's dangerous. Uh, Kenny McBear, do we understand how tall six foot nine is? It's like to the roof of my living room. Yeah, six foot nine is very tall. It's um it's almost center size on an NBA team, although most NBA centers now are over seven feet tall. Um, Amber, in the IT world, there's something called passive authentication. Even if you try to fake things, it catches it. It also is not hard to find someone's alias. Look, I'm sure the um, the federal marshals have the best cybersecurity people on this. They have the best of everything on this. They know how to track these people, and they're on them. Trust me, they're all over this. They're these two are going to be caught. One of the things that we really pray is that um, we pray that Vicky survives this, even though she did a horrible, horrible thing. She's lived a righteous life up until this point. She was a, a, a good human being. I'm sure she touched a lot of people's lives. She made a huge, huge, huge mistake in doing this. Um, let's hope that this big savage does not take her life. You know, because that could very easily happen. Um, he's he's got nothing to lose. You know, it's just it's it's just a really a tragic tragic situation. It, it really is. And you know, when we look at the um, the video over and over and over again, that says so much about the escape of her just nonchalantly taking him out of this jail. It's just it's just into our Way 31 newsroom on this case. You're taking a look right now at surveillance video showing Lauderdale County Corrections Officer Vicki White walking out of the jail 
with accused murderer Casey White. This happened, this video, just moments before the two ran away together Friday morning. There they are leaving the Lauderdale County Jail. An active manhunt is underway for these armed and dangerous suspects. The latest development comes as you just heard that former victim of Casey's sharing a dire warning for corrections officer Vicki White. The more you see that, it's almost too hard to believe. Mickey Mantle, thank you so much. I really appreciate the uh, 20 Super Chat. Uh, very much appreciated the support. Uh, yeah, folks, this, this, we're going to stay with this the whole the whole way. You know, this. Uh, I know Duty Ron is doing a couple of shows tonight on this, bringing in some experts, bringing in a drone operator. He's got some really good guests come on to talk about the search. Apparently, federal marshals, they do not use drones at this point. So they're, they search on the ground. They search perhaps helicopter, but they're not using drones in the drone search. You know, one of the other ways we talk about the electronic search, how to find these people, how about canvassing Airbnbs? I don't mean going knocking on the doors electronically and by telephone, calling Airbnbs and seeing whether or not uh, they've rented to anyone or anyone unusual. Have they seen anyone unusual? Canvassing the old, the old-fashioned police work that a lot of cops hate to do, canvassing, but canvassing is very effective. It's a very effective way because the eyes and ears out there of, of, of the public are so, so, so important. Uh, so... Um, Matty Boy Sully, I think they're using uh, the moonshine trails all over there. Uh, I think they're going to use every resource they have. D.D. Uh, Robert, um, yeah, we, I had read your, uh, your post before. Uh, Wiper Hunter, he'll kill her. She's a loose end at this point. All she's doing is making him stick out. I think you're right. I think, you know, that could happen. Uh, Marie Green can't see her pushing a wheelchair. She's tiny, wouldn't be able to see over him. Good point, uh, Marie Green, but uh, she could push him in a wheelchair, I'm sure. She's probably strong. She's been working in a prison for 12, jail for 25 years. Um, infamous truth teller. If police off the cuff, if you were to map and take a guess, which way do you think they would be headed? Towards Canada or towards a different border country? I think they would like to get the hell out of this country, you know. And I, I, you know, every time I try to predict something like this, I predict it wrong. So my guess is it's just as good as yours. I mean, I had predicted during the whole uh, Brian Laundry thing that he had fled the country, and I wasn't—I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, I was wrong about that. So um, it's very tough to just predict what's in their mind. That they have a predestined plan in their mind. Um, it's. Uh, it's really anyone's guess. Um, could someone just put, could they have rented an RV? They could have done anything. Anything is a possibility here, you know? Uh, it, it's just anything is a possibility. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you are not uh, subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And if you want to become part of the Police Off the Cuff YouTube family, go on our YouTube. We have five different levels, and you can join our YouTube family. You see the folks 
in the chat with the green font are already part of our uh, YouTube family. Robbie Paul, they should just head to Vegas. No one would even notice in there because everybody's drunk and in their own little world. Yeah, but I think they would notice this guy. It's all over the um, it's all over the media. It's all over the world. They're not going to be able to show their heads. Uh, uh, you know, it's uh, Margaret O'Mahony. They're in a trailer somewhere or mobile home. Hey, look, all of these are possibilities. Um, they could be anywhere. Some of the things we learned about her, you know, what did we learn? Would, uh, I didn't think the guy that Brian Enton interviewed, I didn't think he was a good, he seemed like he had an ax to grind. He was a disgruntled employee. So, of course, he was going to say disparaging comments about her. Uh, I don't think he was very honest. So, um, again, uh, you can't always believe everything that people say. So, um what else we got here in the chat? Line of Judea. How are you? Uh, Joe Stewart can't be caught in Mexico. Um, James Moyers, I was going to say, I honestly think you can find her dad somewhere. Uh, sad to say. Loco Moco, she won't, in my opinion. Uh, guys, all of your opinions, you know, where you've been following this case, are just as good as any of these talking heads on TV, except if you get some people from, um, you know, federal law enforcement, that's uh, the Fugitive Enforcement Division. They're great. They're great at their job. Guys, do you know that over 3,000 prison and jail inmates escape every year? And the Fugitive Enforcement Division catches, you know, most of these people. And so they do this for a living. They're really good at their job. And, um, so we have to have confidence in them. But if I lived in that Tennessee area, I wouldn't leave my house unless I was strapped. I'd be strapped with two guns, you know. Uh, I said in the chat the other day, I said, this guy, Casey White, six foot nine, 260 pounds, he's the reason guns were invented. And someone in the chat took great umbrage at that. Oh, that was such a horrible remark. I said, well, I stand by it. I said, he is the reason guns were invented, you know. A career criminal, six nine, two sixty, please. You want to approach him with a slingshot, David, to his Goliath? I don't think so, right? Uh, Kirk Mitchell, why would she put in retirement papers knowing she would never collect? Well, because she has this romantic vision of living happily ever after with this career murderer, you know? Uh, Kichara, I don't want to see her hurt, uh, but I want to see the public protected more. At the end of the day, she made her choice. She did, and whatever happens to her, she's a big girl. She made a bad, bad decision, and uh, unfortunately, she's she. You know, you can't just dip your toe in the water. She jumped right in the water, and she's in this neck deep right now. You know, Kelly Walk. Either way, he will sadly snap, and someone will be hurt, or worse, a homicidal, suicidal maniac on the lam. Please, Bonnie and Clyde, turn yourself in. For your safety and everyone's. Yeah, I wouldn't compare them to Bonnie and Clyde. You know, I think that uh, she just um, she just made a really horrendous, horrendous decision. You know, I, I think a lot of you folks, a lot of you women in the chat, <clears throat> you understand this somewhat more than we do. Could a man fall for a female inmate in the same way that a female could fall for a male inmate? I think, I think yes. I think it could also happen. Um, is a woman's ego 
or or psyche weaker than a man's? I don't think so. I think this could happen either way. I don't know if there's any national statistics on how often this occurs. Um, but it is, you know, if you look at, I think Phil yesterday had sort of tried to map out her psychology and that maybe she had low self-esteem, maybe she was depressed, she had lost a husband, maybe she wasn't happy with her life. Many reasons why this could have happened. And um, as I told Phil yesterday, he's not Dr. Phil from the TV show, <laughs> although he was sounding like it yesterday, you know. Um, Aslan Moore, what if they had an accomplice drive the red SUV to Tennessee to throw the police off, and they actually had another car they used to go to the opposite direction? Aslan Moore, as I said before, anything is a possibility. Could that have happened? You bet. You bet. It could have happened. Okie dokie, seven. The funniest thing I heard you say the other day when the information about the car being impound for a full week, you can't make this shit up. It would never make it as a fiction novel. You know, so that was a favorite expression, I think, on the police department. And it that's the comes out of the expression that truth is much stranger than fiction. The truth, you can't make it up. You know, it's it's so true. It's uh <laughs> it's 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 the truth. When you hear something that's off the pale, so, so outrageous. It's true, usually. Uh, when someone tries to make up something outrageous, it just can't, it can't, um, it just can't get to the level of the truth, of what the truth is. And that that's all part of this, you know. Uh, Mega's guy, she looked kind of pudgy and waddly. Yeah, she did a little bit, you know. She's 57 years old, 56 years old. Um, you notice the disgruntled employee said, oh, she's 56, but she looks 75. I mean, obviously he doesn't care for her. So that's why he said that, um, 94 money. She commits a huge crime on last day of work. I thought Will Smith incident was funny. Crisis actors turnover. I don't know what that, where that came from. Where all of a sudden we're talking about Will Smith. I should have screened that one out. Uh, you have to be vaccinated. I don't think these two are going to worry about being vaccinated when they're on the run. You know, they're not going to go. Uh, uh. <laughs> Love wins. This story contains all the nuggets of widespread interest. Well, the escape from Clinton Correctional Facility became a TV uh, series called Escape from Danamora. And I believe Ben Stiller was the uh, producer slash director of that. And it was a very well done. So could this down the road, depending on how this turns out. Could this become a TV series? You bet. We'll have to see how this turns out, though. You know, it's uh, it's still, the ending hasn't been written for this case yet. Totally has not been written. You know, it's, uh, it's still ongoing, and it's still anything could happen. Folks, if you're in the New York area and you're looking for a great attorney, a retired NYPD police officer, jmurray-law.com, Joe's a great friend of the show, and Joe is also a fantastic defense attorney. So in the New York area, you can call Joe at his cell phone, 718-514-3855, or you can go to his email. It's uh, joe at jmurray-law.com. John Beatty. John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. John Beatty is a renowned personal injury attorney. He's also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. 
For over 15 years, John has litigated some of the largest accident and malpractice cases and verdict settlements in the country. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beattie litigates across country for the seriously injured and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beattie, 917-797-9520. Yeah, so this case is still, I mean, it's an open book. It's an open book. We don't know how this is going to turn out. We certainly hope that um, Vicky is recovered or captured alive. Um, this situation is really bad because um, she's on the lam with a career criminal, a career murderer who's facing, pending his next trial, he's facing a possible death penalty case. So that's the situation she's in. And, you know, folks, it's uh, it's just, it's a scary thing. You know, it's just a scary thing that she was involved in this, but, you know, something she, as we said, she's a big girl. She's been a correction officer for, um, I believe, over 25 years. So it's not that she didn't um, she didn't know what she was getting into. She knew exactly what she was getting into, and it's a shame that knowing what she was getting into, she got into it anyway. Now let's play a little of this. Talk about her career. Thirty-one, Nicole. Over the weekend, you sat down with Vicky White's mother to talk about her career, her career here at the detention center specifically. That's right, Marie. And she said she's proud of all of the accomplishment her daughter has been recognized for over the past 16 years. But it definitely took her a while to warm up to the idea of her daughter working at such a dangerous location. It makes me feel good that, you know, that she was so well thought of and she done a good job. Pat Davis's living room is covered in memorabilia from her daughter's time at the Lauderdale County Detention Center. She's got six awards back there. Davis says Vicki never intended on starting a career in law enforcement. But when the opportunity came up 16 years ago, she accepted. Somebody called her one day and said, hey, there's an opening at the jail. So she's, she just took it and she's been there ever since. I guess it was just a job. A job that's always worried her mother. You know, law enforcement, the violence and stuff like that, I guess, you know, I guess every mom's that way, you know. Now her worst fears have come true as her daughter disappeared with accused murderer Casey White more than 72 hours ago. He, he could hurt her easy. And that's what keeps me awake at night. She says even if her daughter voluntarily helped inmate White escape, it doesn't matter. She just wants Vicky home safe. Come home. That's all. That's all she needs to do. Just turn her step in. Come home. Davis hopes anyone with any information, even the smallest details, will call 911 or the sheriff's office and help get her daughter home safe. Reporting live in studio, Nicole's at it. So, you know, they have a, a mother and, you know, this, she's been in with the sheriff's office for 25 years. Uh, it makes It's very difficult for us to understand why she threw everything away for this guy. But, you know, something, it's the human condition. We get to understand the human condition. Someone asked me in the um, in the chat, uh, is it social media that the world's getting crazier and crazier, or is the world always this crazy? And I think my answer is the world has always been this crazy. It's just that 
the 24-7 news cycle, you find out about everything almost immediately. So news, we're bombarded with news. We know everything. Some of you guys know more about this case than I do, you know, and uh, everyone knew about the wheelchair. That was all over the place. I didn't, in fact, know where that came from. And then we heard the district attorney speaking about it, but where did he get it from? You know, um, Catherine Epler, I'm a retired RN that worked in the prisons in California. Inmates know how to find a vulnerable female and say just exactly what a woman wants to hear. And these guys know it. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, that's uh, from someone that's worked inside. Um, crazy. Yeah, it's it's some crazy stuff. Um, she, is she an unstable person? What do you guys think in the chat? Is she unstable? Is she, um, or is it, could she have become this way through PTSD, maybe through too many years working in the in the jail? That's a tough job, you know. If you guys have watched our show, um, John Doe, police off the cuff, what do you think caused Casey White to turn homosexual? I have no idea that he did turn homosexual. I don't know where you got that from, but uh, I, I didn't see any reports of that. Um, 94 Money, Oprah's already booked the interview. You know, yeah, or Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil's probably second, you know. Dr. Phil's probably sending his guys out to the field looking for them, see if we can get an interview, you know. See if we can get a live interview out in Tennessee because I I got the same sort of accent. I can interview them pretty damn easily. <laughs> uh, it'll be Dr. Phil. He'll be all over it, you know. Um, uh, Anita Tengestal uh, Clevedal. Everyone is looking for them right now, but it's possible they've split ways. This has been planned for a long time. They've got a destination either together or alone. Look, as I said before, I would not be the arrogant one and say, oh, no, that couldn't happen. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. And did they split up? Are they together? Um, I think they're probably together. Amir Takes says they're in New York. I don't think they're there in New York. But uh, they, as as I said, they could be anywhere. You guys are funny. They could be in New York. Yeah, they're in Times Square right now watching the Jumbotron, you know. Uh, <laughs> DJ Moore, why doesn't anyone mention the missing half-brother? Uh, uh, search confirms Casey's half-brother is missing right now. DJ Moore, I, I don't know if there's any um, investigative information on that and any information. What do they, what do they mean he's missing? Is he, he's over 18 years old. He can be, he's allowed to be anywhere. Is he missing under um, foul play? Uh, there has to be more information about that. Are you implying that maybe he's involved in helping them in this escape? Um, that's, you know, I, I don't have any information. I don't have the inside investigative information, but uh, very possible, you know, Jane, I think the cops need to get their drones and use to track these people right now. Got to be the only way to find them. Well, tonight on Duty Ron's show, he's going to have a drone operator talking about that. And, you know, you get that Duty Ron's very much involved in uh, uh, Midwest Equus with Dave Rader, but they usually search for missing children. They're not going on uh, searches for fugitives. That's not uh, their realm. They're not sworn law enforcement. Sean Bermelli, I don't think they will find them. This COVID stuff is perfect disguise. Dye their hair cut short and wear a face mask. Nobody would think anything about it. Well, that 
absolutely makes it a little more difficult to find them. That's for sure. Uh, so Sandra H, it should give everyone pause. If you would not go out without protection, you would know the true danger. I mean, I'm saying everyone that lives in that area of Tennessee, they don't have to take advice from me. I think they know to be strapped. They're second amendment people bring your guns with you because this, you, you spot this guy. I'm not telling you to confront him, but just to protect yourself, you know, protect yourself. Uh, WAFF48 just released new video of Vicky White, but the video is from where? Is it? It's not a recent video. It's probably a video from uh, from work or something uh, else. Um, you know, I don't think they have uh, any new video that I video that I've seen. Um, you know, they they had they had the other night they had uh, they had dog on one of these stations, and and I find dog the bounty hunter to be a cartoon character and like you know to me it's almost insulting that someone would mention dog to a professional law enforcement officer you know because uh he's a he's a, a figment of reality tv has he made some apprehensions absolutely he definitely has made some apprehensions but you know we're, we're the pros don't tell us about dog who's chasing people with mace canisters you know um he also had claimed to have made 10,000 apprehensions, which I find to be outrageously ridiculous. You know, 10,000 apprehensions, if you made one a day for a year, that's 365. If you made one a day for 10 years, that's 3,650. So you'd have, practically have to have 30 years to make an apprehension every single day. Is that what Dog did? I don't know. I think he's inflating his numbers, you know. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of people like Dog, but he's a product of... Um, of reality TV, you know. Amber, thank you so much. Amber says, I love this channel. Folks, again, if you're not subscribed, subscribe to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Go on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Ring that bell. Give us a thumbs up. We're from the real Popo, the real NYPD. Retired. I'm a retired sergeant. My co-host, Phil Grimaldi, who's not with us today, is a retired NYPD detective. So if you like law enforcement perspective on these cases, we're you guys, you know, and also, as I said, tonight, Duty Ron's going to do a deep dive into this. I think he's actually going to do, do two shows tonight. And so um, he's going to take it from a perspective of a, um, of a drone operator, of, of a retired uh, federal fugitive enforcement officer who has a lot of experience searching for these folks. Uh, you know, you, you also may ask, what is, what's going on in the investigation in finding these people? And I had mentioned yesterday that uh, the invest, part of the investigation is to go to every single person that knows these two and see if they've called. Go to every single person uh, that they may know. Let's look at cellmates that Casey White has had in the past few years. See if any of them have been let out. See if he's been con in contact with them. Let's look at the prisoner visitors list and see who's visited Casey White. Let's give them a visit and talk to them about what occurred here. All right. Let's talk to all of Vicki White's friends, her family, her acquaintances, her underlings at work, her co-workers. Let's talk to everyone that knows her. And let's dig, let's pull up, let's pick up the rocks and look under the rocks. Let's shake those trees. I know I'm using law enforcement cliches, but uh, 
Love wins. Well, generally speaking, a female may be very emotionally sensitive, childhood and, and or adult trauma, distorted thinking, and desperately needs attention to feel again. Perfect victim for a psycho. Yes, I think you're right. Love wins. Um, Ruby Rube. Uh, Pam Smart has been has been right her constantly. I'm from Boston, and I remember her for the past 30 years. She's very popular with men on the outside. So there you have it. There's some uh, guys that are infatuated with female inmates, you're right? Jane, the truth will come out. All you guys, C.H. Finn, he's jealous, vengeful type, so even one misstep or perceived misstep on her part will not end well. Um, Joe Stewart, that orange car was spray-painted on the passenger side because it was viewable from the road. Tow truck driver in on that. I don't know about that. Um, Edward Martin, the woman helped the two killers escape, and they fled on foot almost to the Canadian border. A female correctional employee helped with the escape. I believe you're talking about the escape from um, the Clinton Correctional Facility in upstate New York. Uh, the TV show was known as Escape from Danamora, since that's the name of the town where the Clinton Correctional Facility is. Uh, Robbie Paul, I'm a woman, and I cannot see how anyone could fall for an inmate but my husband is a correctional officer, so I know the manipulation and cons they try to pull. Mental weakness is the reason. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, these guys are um, these guys are very manipulative, and they know what to say. They know what words to say. They know how to manipulate people. That's Their whole life has been a manipulation. Amber, Amber Mick Lamore, what white supremacist gangs are in the area? Well, I'm sure that the um, federal marshals know that. I'm sure the federal marshals have tried to connect the dots between Casey White's alleged gang affiliation and his white supremacy, and um, they'll be all over that stuff. They'll be out into the field. They'll receive contacting people. Um, John Doe, I don't think Casey White would sneak back into jail. I don't think that would be a possibility. Uh <laughs> Someone's already asked me, who do I think will play them in a movie? I have no idea. Who even knows if that'll happen? But I, I have no idea. Um, Lee Hawes, it is sad she got herself in this mess. No good outcome for her. Hopefully she will be alive. Yes, we all hope and pray for that. Uh, Okie dokie, seven. Oh, yeah, the news said she's a waddle and her nose... Looks like it may have been broken at one point. No mention of her being in some bad accident or perhaps domestic violence. Who knows? Cat uh, D, I uh, just want them caught as soon as possible. Yes, we all do. We all want them caught as soon as possible. Uh, Marilyn Mineta, good to see you. Mickey Mantle, just a feeling I keep thinking they headed west into Arkansas. Look, anything is a possibility, guys. Anything. Uh, Dawn Marie, saying hello to Joe Murray. Uh, she did not leave her personal belongings in the abandoned car. According to the sheriff, the car was stripped clean. There was nothing left in the abandoned car. So that's that's uh, Tiff P. That's not true. Uh, we need Frank Hammer. <laughs> yeah, we need we need the best uh, searches from the past and from the future and from everywhere, right? So, folks, I'm going to be staying with this case. I may come on again tomorrow. About this, I know Duty Ron is going to be doing a deep dive today, uh, tonight, I think it's 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. 
I, I would advise you if um, you want more content, uh, potentially breaking breaking news on this case, tune into Duty Run this evening. I want to thank everyone today for tuning in. Uh, I try to keep it updated as much as I can. Uh, Gene Jones, I you know, folks, uh, why is your subscriber total not high? I don't get it. You know, we're working hard on it, Gene Jones. I can't. All I can do is do my best and um, try to uh, get those numbers. We Hopefully, we're going to hit 27,000 today. Uh, we're working hard at it. And one of the reasons is that if there's going to be any excuse, we, we've only been on YouTube maybe for 14, 15 months. So uh, although the podcast is over three years old, we didn't originate on youtube and that caused us to um to linger back a little bit well we're working hard we're going to get there we're getting there gene jones and with your help and some new subscribers uh we hope to get there sooner than later you know so uh i want to wish everyone um denise mcgrabi yes bill i agree about david and goliath he may have already killed her. i don't think she's that useful to him any anymore Anything is possible. Seems like she's deluded about the relationship. Denise McGrabby, I 100% agree with you. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. And uh, keep supporting Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. And it's uh, it's been a, uh, a great experience. This case, we're going to stay with it. And we're, we're hoping for a happy outcome, a good outcome, a safe outcome for Vicki White. Guys. Have a great day, and God bless. One episode, just ain't enough.